0: You know, in this message series that we're starting, in fact, we're at the midway point today. We're talking about game plan for life. What is God's plan for our life? And what is God's will? And we're always trying to see, you know, God, what do you want me to do? What is your plan for my life? What's the next step that I should take? I brought along a little story with me, not because I've read some in more recent weeks, but because this one deals with sort of interrelated with God's will. And I'll just share this cute little humorous story with you. It says there was this guy who always stopped by the bakery on his way to work. TO PICK UP SOME GOODIES FOR THE STAFF COFFEE BREAK. THIS PRACTICE, THOUGH, WAS SCRAPPED WHEN THE MAN WENT ON A DIET, WHICH HE NEEDED TO DO, AND and SO ALL OF THE STAFF UNDERSTOOD. ONE DAY HE HAD TO DRIVE BY THE BAKERY ON A WORK-RELATED errand. As he approached the old bakery, he said to himself, maybe God wants me to stop by the bakery this morning. Maybe that's God's will. Maybe that's God's plan. Maybe God wants me to stop by the bakery this morning and pick up some goodies for the office. So he told the Lord he would only stop. God, I'll only stop if you make sure that a parking space is available right in front of the bakery. I'll only stop if you do that. And sure enough, there it was, a parking spot right in front of the bakery on his eighth trip around the block. (laughs) (laughs) Only took him to eight times. For those of you who have not been here, we've been just praying this prayer together like, God, show me your will for my life. God, show me what is your will for my life. And friends, I've been trying to say to you each week that, uh, you know, God does want to reveal his will uh, to you and me. He wants to reveal his plan to us. I shared with you recently, I was up in Illinois a couple of weeks ago with my grandbabies. And I had that one day I told you about where I had all three of them all by myself, four, two and 10 months. And so that was a full day and we did all kinds of fun things. And we played dollies and we played Kitchen and Candyland. I told you all about that, and then we played we played Hide and Go seat. and I shared with you how that they're fun to play Hide and Go Seek with. Kenley and Landry, the four and two. Uh, Kinley's now five because she just had a birthday Thursday, and they're fun to play Hide and Go seat with because they reveal themselves. Like, okay, I'm coming to find you, and it takes about five seconds, and they're like, "We're in here, Papa. We're in here," and so it's sort of easy to find them. And a lot of times we feel that God is making His will to us. He like God's hiding it, He doesn't reveal it. That He finds some sort of pleasure in keeping it hidden from us. But that is not consistent with the nature and the character of God at all, because God has this plan and He wants to reveal His plan uh, to us. In fact, that is the wonderful thing about Christianity. There are so many other world religions, but uh, there's a couple of reasons why I think Christianity ought to be embraced. I like the one the way that one writer said, "Hey, uh, I'm listening to the man who rose from the dead." All these other religious leaders, when they died, they died. They didn't come back to life. The only leader in any religion that ever came back to life, ever resurrected, was Jesus. And I think he makes a good point when he says, that's the one I'm going to listen to. Now, here's the beauty of Christianity. Christianity teaches us that there is a God that created us. You see, you were created by God. You were created by God and that God not only created you, but that God also knows you. In fact, God knows everything every detail of your life. In fact, God knows you better than you know yourself. And this God who created us and this God who knows us so well is a God that says, "You know what? I've got a plan and I've got a purpose for your life and I want to reveal that to you." And that's what we have been talking about in this series. How do we find God's will? God, show me your will. We've been asking you to pray that. God, show me your plan. God, show me your will for my life. God, where do you want me to go to school? What are what do you want me to do in pursuit of my education? Do I go for that degree? Do I, you know, maybe you've got an undergraduate. Do I go for, a, you know, a, a higher uh, education degree? Do I do that? Do I work on my master's? Do I, you know, do I go to college? What about this boy? Should I go out with him, this guy? Uh, you know, should, should I, should he become my boyfriend or my girlfriend? Should I get married? Is this the one, you know, that I should really marry? Is God putting us together? You know, is this, you know, intended to be somebody that I'm gonna spend like my forever? life with. And then if you're married, you know, do we have kids? Do we not have kids? If we're going to have kids, how many kids are we going to have? God, what's your will? What is your will for my job and my career? What is your will for my business pursuit? And and again, uh, today, we're going to just get into this a little bit deeper. I shared with you on the front, edge of this series. And again, we're at the midway point. You don't want to miss the next two weeks, but we're just talking about each week. How can we just get a little closer to what is God's, uh, you know, personal will for our life? What is God's personal will for our life? And so today, uh, I want to just take one idea. I want to just take one thought, and I want to just focus on that one thought today. And here's the reason why, because the area that I'm going to talk about today is an area that a lot of people give a lot of thinking to, and have a lot of questions about, and spend a lot of time at, and that is at your job. That's your work. That's your career. That's your business, if you happen to have a business. And, And that's just really important. We need to talk about that because a lot of times people are saying, you know, what is God's will for my career? Where do I go next in my career? Where do I apply? What kind of job? Do I open a business? Do I start this startup company? If I'm going to do that, how much investment am I willing to make into that business? And so we've got all these thoughts. And so that's why I'm comfortable as just saying, let's take today and just focus on that one area in regards to our career and and our job, and our vocation. Now, I, I don't want you to raise your hand on that. The key word, operative word there is don't. Don't Raise your hand. You know, I'm the kind of guy, you've been here long enough. I'm always like, hey, how many of you, hey, what about this? Raise your hand. What about, and having you raise your hand. But I'm just saying on this one, don't raise your hand when I ask you this question. But I'm going to go ahead and ask it. Keep your hand down. All right, here it is. Have you ever had a job? Have you ever had a job that you just could not stand? I'm, uh, you know, the word hate doesn't feel good for me. You know, it's not like I've never said it. I've said it, but so strong I don't want to use that. And you may say, well, that's you. I'll tell you, I I hated it. I, uh, you know, so you may be willing to do that. But have you ever had a job you just could not stand? The reason. Uh, By the way, why I didn't want you to raise your hand is you may raise your hand. And when you raise your hand, you may actually discover when you raise your hand that uh, you find out later that your boss happened to be in this same service. And then they're like, hey, I saw you raise your hand. Would that be your current job? And I don't want to put you in a position where you've got to be dishonest. So don't raise your hand, but have... You ever had a job like that? You just said, man, I can't stand it. I'll be so glad when I'm done with it. All right. So this one now you can raise your hand on. How many of you, how many of you remember your first job or early jobs that you had? Just wave at me like this. You remember your very first job or early jobs that you had? And I can remember my first. I can remember my very first job, and I wasn't even old enough to work. I, you know, no W-2, no pay stub, no direct deposit, nothing, nothing like that. And the reason why, um, you know, they didn't even have such a thing as a direct deposit way back then. I was about 12 years old, and I worked at my father, uh, my grandfather's gas station. He had a gas station, and this has been so long ago. And and how a lot of you, when I mention what I'm about to mention, you're gonna be like what i've uh, what i've never i've never even heard of a gas station like like that so like what are you talking about but the grand uh, my grandfather's gas station was a full serve Gas station. Have you ever heard of a full serve gas station? That's when guys like me would actually come out and pump the gas for you and if you'd say, like, hey, would you check the oil and check the oil? Hey, would you would you put some water in the battery and put water in the battery? Hey, would you uh, you know, check the tire pressure? It was a full service. And way back then it's funny, I was just thinking about it working on this talk. We had these strange things called oil cans, not plastic cans. And you took this weird metal object and you'd stick it down in the can and then you pour. I know, I know that sounds far. And you know, this is back when I was young. I don't even know I don't even know why he had a gas station. There wasn't even cars then, or it, but, but no, it wasn't quite that old. But I can remember and I, I look back and I loved that job. And one of the things I loved about it, even though I was only about eleven or twelve and he let me work there so I could earn some money, you know, there wasn't debit cards and credit cards. If they were, I didn't know about them. I'd never seen one. But he had certain customers that were on like an account or a business that had vehicles company vehicle, that was on, so they had had sort of a running account that they would pay once a month, but primarily what I remember as an 11 12 year old boy is everybody paid in cash and for the longest time uh, he would let us uh, walk around us being my cousin if one of my other cousins were working and we'd carry cash and I felt like such I felt like just such a big person so cool because I'd carry it literally now it'd be folded in half I'd have a wad of cash like this thick in my pocket and people would pay me and I'd reach in and I, I was like hey mr. important and I'd pull out this and People's eyes, you know, they'd see me 11, 12, this big roll, and I'd start counting their change back, and, and, you know, my grandfather would watch us, and then once we got too much, he'd say, all right, all right, boys, that's enough, turn some of that in, not because he didn't trust us, he just didn't want us to get hit on the head or something, I guess, and so, you know, I had that job, and I loved that job. And uh, then before I was even 16, and I don't know how I got the job because this was like more of an official job, but I was too young to work. And I got a job one summer working in, of all places, an insulation warehouse, like insulation like you put in your house. How many of you have ever spent some one-on-one time with insulation? Could I just... How many of you, and in that is that fiberglass, and so here's our job, it was me and a few of my buddies, we were hired, or somebody asked, I don't even know how it worked, but our summer job was to organize this insulation warehouse, big, big warehouse that was in utter chaos, and we're like, yeah, it's going to take a whole lot longer than a summer to get this place organized, and I didn't know it had all the fiberglass and stuff in it, so I just dove right in trying to get everything organized, and then I can remember that first week coming home, mom would like, have a meal prepared and I'd go to just sort of put my, you know, you don't put your elbows on the table, but I'd just prop my arms and I'd be like, ah, you know, you could feel that fiberglass and it in your skin, anything that would tie. And so, you know, that was a job that I had. And then my first like real, real job Was when I was 16, and my grandmother got me this job because in the suburbs where I grew up in, in Atlanta, there's this hospital that had been around. My grandmother had been there since the beginning. She pulled a few strings, talked to the right people, and so at 16, uh, just a few weeks after I turned 16, I had a job at the hospital. And you know, normally they don't let 16-year-olds do brain surgery, but it was a new hospital, and they were desperate. And no, I didn't do that at all. And uh, I transported patients. So I, I was an employee of the X-ray department. <laughs> And so my job was to go upstairs and get patients and bring them down for their x-rays. And it's a wonder, looking back, I just have to laugh. It's a wonder I didn't get sued when I was 16 years old because I was young and strong working out. I'd just, I'd go up there. You know, I I didn't want to push a stretcher. I just did not want to push a stretcher, you know, somebody. But it would be marked stretcher or wheelchair. And so if it said stretcher, I would take one. And if I got to the room and was moving the stretcher into the room to transport them, and if it looked like to me that I could carry them. I'd take the stretcher out of the room and find a wheelchair and bring it in, and I'd just pick them up out of the bed. And no matter what, they're can I, I, again, it's a wonder I didn't get sued. They may have just had major back surgery, and I'm picking them up folding them up and putting them in the chair and such. And, and so that was my job, and I'd get them down there, and then I would have to develop the x-rays. And so that was like a real, real job. And I remember what that was like. Now, Having said all of that, I want you to learn a reality that I'm going to share with you today. And I want all of you with me, you're with me, wave at me like this. I want you to hear this and I'm going to intentionally repeat it a couple of more times at least uh, between now and the end of this talk. And here it is because you've got to understand this. Here's the big thought. God often uses our current opportunities to connect us to future opportunities. Let me say that again. God often uses our current opportunities to connect us to future opportunities. Now, does that mean that God never sends just this amazing, unattached miracle in regards to our career, our job, or our business? Absolutely, God does those things. The very first week of this series, I mentioned to you that God is God, and because God is God, and all-powerful and all-knowing, God can do whatever He wants whenever He wants to do it. But that, you know, God just sending an unattached, out of the blue sort of miracle vocational thing, God does that, and He's capable of of doing that, yet primarily what God does in this arena of our vocational life is He opens up future opportunities that are actually connected to the current opportunity that we have. Now, I want to just say something right here on sort of the front edge, the beginning part of this talk, and, and, and that is this, you may be... You may be a person that you are in your dream job. Right now, you're in your dream job, and you've been doing it for a long time. And you're really good at it. fits your skill set. You've got passion for it. You've done it so long. You don't want to do anything else. You're in the sweet spot of your abilities, and actually, the job you have right now is the job that you're like, hey as far as I see it, this is the job I'm going to retire from. I love it. It's what I ought to be doing. And so you've got like your dream job now. So when I'm talking about what I'm about to talk to, those of you that are like that, and there are some of you, by the way, if that is you, you need to thank God because most people don't have it like that. And you need to thank God if that is true for you. If you've got your dream job, you've been doing it a while, you're going to do it the rest of your life. You need to thank God for that. But I know that it would be a tendency to you just say, hey, man, I'm all, all, all already down that track. I've been there, done that. And so you just think, I'm just going to check out. This is like for, you know, younger families and young adults and kids coming out of high school or, or young men and women graduating from college. It's for them. It's not for me. But here's where I want you to rethink that. I want you to hang on what I'm about to say, even though it may not be personally applicable for you. Because you never know when God may want to use you to be a mentor, coach to somebody else that's going to deal with what I'm about to talk. So you hang in here because I want you to be able to help me to help other people that you're going to come in contact with that I'm never, ever going to meet. So here's that reality again, that God often uses our current opportunities to connect us to future opportunities. So the job that you actually have, your right now job... You may say, you know, uh, Jeff, just being honest, I'm not crazy about that job. I wouldn't say I hate it, or some of you would say I do hate it. I strongly dislike it but it's not the job you want. You're not crazy about it. Or you say, you know what? It's not that bad of a job. It just doesn't pay enough. And I, I really, you know, it's not a greed thing at all. I just need to make some more money. I've got some obligations or I've got a family and I, you know, it doesn't really pay enough or, you know, this doesn't fit my skill set. And I don't, you know, I don't, I want to do something or I'm under challenge or, you know, I'm simply working this job because it is temporary provision that's going to get me to the next place that God has for me. So if you happen to be sort of falling, Categorically speaking, in any of those areas, it may be difficult for you to see what I'm about to say, but I want to say it nevertheless. And that is that God is using right now in your life your current opportunity to prepare you for the next step that fits into God's plan for your life. And you're like, no way. not No, you don't know my job. You don't know what I'm doing. If you knew my job, if you knew what I did, if you knew what I made, you wouldn't be saying. And I would. God is using the vast, vast, maybe there are some exceptions. All right, I'll give that to you but the vast, vast majority of you, what God is doing right now in your life is he is using your current opportunity or your current job to prepare you for the next step that fits into that next job or that next promotion or that next transfer that you have coming your way. And if the future... You say, well, you know, in regards to the future, does that mean I've got to move to another state or I've got to change business? For some of you, that may happen. But for some of you, it's not that you're going to be moving to another state, changing location or line of work or a different company, although that may be true for some. It may be simply your next step or your next job within the same company that you're at. And uh, I know we're all on different journeys, and I'll just real quickly deal with mine. And I know you're saying like, hey, you know, your pastor journey's so different like mine. In fact, some of you would even say, Jeff, your job is so unlike mine because, you know, you may work Wednesdays, Jeff. I don't even know if you were then. You work Sundays because we see you. Otherwise, you're playing golf about five days of the week. And I want you to know that absolutely is not true. I play four go- golf four times a week. No, that's not, that's not. I've just made that up. I'm fortunate if I get to play one. I like it And if I play one, I'm really happy. But, you know, my journey is not so terribly unlike yours. And certainly God doesn't like give me, you know, a break on things because God loves us all the same. And whether you're a pastor, you're working in a factory or medical community or education or insurance, whatever you're doing, it's not like God says, well, I'm going to like really help pastor types and not help the other people. No, not, a, not at all. And so for me, it was interesting. I actually went to school here where some of you attend right now. Now I went to Southeastern University. I went to Southeastern University. Yeah, here they are, the Southeastern students. And so I went to Southeastern University, and it's funny looking back. And let me ask you this question. Have you ever told God something you wouldn't do? Have you? Come on, be honest. Have you ever told God something you wouldn't do? And God's like, (laughs) <laughs> That's funny. You you are going to do that. You know that, right? You and, and so I like I actually I actually told God what I wasn't going to do. And it went like this. I was probably late junior, uh maybe the early senior, and this is what I said. I said, "God, number 1, I'll never be a youth pastor. Number 2, and, and please don't take offense of the I'll, I'll never be a youth pastor." And then I got specific Geographically, I'll never be a youth pastor in Florida. Now, how many of you already, because I've set you up, how many of you want to guess what my very first ministry position was? I was a youth pastor in Florida. And you know, looking back, it's funny that I said that because I love being a youth pastor and I love. I love being in Florida. In fact, obviously, I do because I've been in Florida since I was about, except for about a three or four-year stint, I've been in Florida since I was about, you know, 20 years old. So I've been here, you know, 12 years now. So maybe longer. My math, you know, I didn't major in math. Uh, maybe longer than that. But uh, I've been in Florida. It's funny now. I've been in Florida much longer than I lived in Georgia. And uh, I love Florida. I love Florida. Now, don't get any crazy ideas. I still believe it's God's will that I pull for the Georgia Bulldogs. That may not be God's will for for you, but it is for me. So I'm just, I'm clear on that. But kidding aside, I'm like, God, I'll never be a youth pastor in Florida. And guess what I am? I'm a youth pastor in Florida. And then I went from there to, uh, to a place. I'm like, I never dreamed in a million years I would ever live in Alabama. Is there anybody here that is from Alabama? Anybody from Alabama? And I'm like, I'll never live in Alabama. And guess where I was? I lived in Montgomery, Alabama, and I loved it. I loved it, loved the church, loved being a youth pastor in Alabama, like I loved being a youth pastor in Florida. And then I can remember the pastor sat down with me one day and we were like really close. He's really like, and still to this day like, Like a father in the ministry to me, and a mentor, coach to me, and I can remember he pulled me aside one day and he said, "Jeff, I just want to let you know, and uh, I'm going to be taking another church." And I'm like, "Why?" And yeah, I'm going to be leaving here, and I'm like, "Really?" And so I got all kind of things spinning around in my head, and and I'm like, "Really? Where are you going?" And he told me, and you know what he said? He said, "I'm going. Guess where the church is? I'm going." He said, "I'm going to Florida." And uh, I want you to go with me. And I'm like, yay, I'm, I'm going back to Florida. And uh, so I was there with him and then went to this church. God was, you know, taking my current realities open. So I go to a church near Jacksonville and I'm there pastoring that church. First time ever pastoring a church, you know, for like nine and a half, ten years. And then God would have a plan and and I would go from there to come here to, back to Lakeland, you know, and be here like 18 years. And what I didn't realize at these various intersections was in my current Situation, God was actually connecting me to future situations that I couldn't even see yet. And again, that's not just true for me, that's true for you and how God works. Now, last week I mentioned to you King David, King David out of the Old Testament, and I'm just going to tell you two really quick stories and then we're going to wrap it up with some real practical stuff, all right? Because we're saying that many times what God takes is what we're currently doing and we don't even see. What God is up to, and then we get to our future opportunity and we see somehow that it was tethered to, it was connected to the current opportunity that maybe, in fact, at the time we didn't like a whole lot. So, David, any of you remember David in this? I point back to the time before he was like King, before he is King David. He was David. Any of you remember what he did vocationally? Any of you? What did he do? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd, and that's not like a really, you know, big deal kind of job that was impressive to everybody. A lot of people did it, but it wasn't all that impressive, and so, you know... um David's dad said to him one day, he said, hey, I want you to go and check. I know you're tending sheep, and I want you to go and check on your brothers. And his brothers had gone to war, and the Israelites were at war with the Philistines. And so uh, David's dad said, I want you to go take these grilled cheese sandwiches. Well, the Bible says cheese and bread. I like to think he made grilled cheese on the way. And take these grilled cheese sandwiches and take them to your brothers and see how they're doing. Come back and give me a report. And so David goes, and he, and he gets near the battle scene, and he walks, and he sees his brother, and he sees all of the Israelites army that his brothers are part of. They're lined up on like one side of this valley and all of the Philistine army is on the other side. And he notices across the valley, there's this huge Philistine uh, guy, Goliath. And many of you, if you went to church when you were young, remember the story of David and Goliath. And Goliath is over there and he's taunting, you know, the people of God. And he's like trash talking God. And he's like, And David's like, what is up with that? I mean, how can you guys stand back and just let him talk about our God, talk about our nation? And look look at him. He's just, he's just going off on all that. How do y'all, how do y'all let that happen? And, And they're like, David, don't you see the size of this guy? And Goliath had already said, they're not even, you know, the armies aren't even clashing together. Goliath is standing, you know, on his side and he's saying, hey, send down anybody you want. And here's the deal. If they beat me, which is confident nobody in the Israelite army could beat him, take him down, then we'll all serve you. But if I take down your soldier, then guess what? You guys are going to become subservient. You're going to all become our servants. And so because of his size and experience and all of that, nobody would go and fight him. So David hears all this going on and he says, how do you all let? had that happened, And they're saying, well, David, look at him. And so he says, goes to the king because he heard that the king, King Saul has said, you know what I'm going to do? Anybody that will fight Goliath and will take down Goliath, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give him a large sum of money and I'm going to give him uh, a, the hand of my daughter in marriage. And he's like, I'm a shepherd. I don't have a lot of money. I sure would like to have some cash. And man, I've seen the king's daughter and she, she's hot. And you know, to get that and marry this. And he's like, hey, um, I'll, I'll go. And his brother's like, David. And they're like, they're mad at, and they want to send him back home. He said, I'm not kidding. I'll, I'll go fight him right here, right now, today. And, and they all look at him like, they're like trained, experienced warriors. And David's just a little shepherd, just hanging out. And they're like, you know, you're going to go fight him. And, and then he tells this, and some of you, you will forget this story. You, for, you forgot that you knew this story, but you'll remember it. He said, you know, what?" he said, I remember the time when I was tending dad's sheep and out of nowhere came this lion. And, you know, I could have, I could have given, you know, just said, Hey, you Mr. Lion, you take the sheep and you can have it. You know, I'm not going to stand in the way, you know, between a lion and a sheep. And he said, but I didn't do it. He said, I wasn't even going to let one of dad sheep be killed by that lion, and so he said, guess what I did, I killed the lion, with my bare hands, I killed the lion, and they said, and furthermore, there was this time, there was a bear, and this bear, out of nowhere, came and attacked all of dad's sheep, and I'm like, you know what, he's probably, you know, only gonna take one or two, and you know, he's not looking for like an all-you-can-eat buffet, and just scatter all, and he's, no, he didn't say that, he said, you know, I wasn't even gonna let a one sheep go missing, so guess what I did, I not only kill the lion, on this occasion I kill the bear. And here's the point that he was making. David was saying, hey, I killed. follow me now, I kill the lion and I kill, kill the bear. This is just what I do. I kill the lion, I kill the bear, I can kill the giant. What David didn't realize is that God, while he was killing a lion and a bear, God was actually connecting what he was doing currently to a future opportunity to take down Goliath, which made, by the way, overnight, David like this international celebrity and this national hero back in Israel. And he goes, here's the story. Listen now. He goes from being a national hero for taking down Goliath to becoming the king, eventually becoming the king. And he never realized that when he was a shepherd boy, that he was actually, that his current reality was connected to a future event, and that God was going to use him to kill the lion, the bear, that would prepare him to kill the giant, that would cause him to eventually become king. If you would ask him if all that's going to play out when he's a shepherd, he's like, what? Me the king? No way, no how. Joseph is in the Old Testament. And Joseph is so, you know, he's, he's, he's a guy that is so, his brothers are so jealous of him and his dad shows him favor. And that wasn't a good, a good thing there. And so Joseph walks out one day and, and he's like, Hey dudes, how do you like, you know, dad gave me this nice, colorful Hugo boss sport coat. And what do you think? And you know, none of you have and dad, obviously like, and it just makes him really mad because he's one of these guys where he just couldn't keep it buttoned And, and so they take him and they said, well, let's get rid of this guy. And he said, Hey, THE DAY'S COMING WHEN YOU'RE GONNA BOW DOWN TO ME AND YOU'RE LIKE WHAT WE'RE GONNA BOW THAT'S NEVER GONNA HAPPEN AND SO HE'S JUST uh, YEAH AND SO THEY TAKE HIM AND THEY PLAN ON KILLING HIM And, AND THEY ACTUALLY THROW HIM IN A WELL and one of the brothers intends to come back and get get him and save him and rescue him. You know, I think it was Reuben who was going to do that, his older brother. But between the time that they threw him in the well and Reuben could get back, he gets back and he's gone. And his brothers have sold him to like this traveling caravan. And they take him to Egypt and they sell him as a slave to Egypt. And he become he's bought as a slave by an Egyptian official, a Potiphar. And so he works in Potiphar's house, and he's got listen now he's got all these administrative skills, all these organizational skills, and he's like you know he's growing more responsibility. It's like hey this guy's really gifted. Let's just give him the work and get out of his way. He's going to do a good job. And so he just grows and grows and grows, and he's got and now so much entrusted to him, so many leadership responsibilities. A lot of you know the story. You follow that. Potiphar's wife wants to have an affair with him. And so she says, hey, come sleep with me. Here's, and he's like, no, there's no way. God doesn't want me to do that. I'm not going to be a part of that. You know, uh, your husband, my leader, my employer has given me everything. The only thing I don't have access to. No. And he, and he runs. And she gets mad about it. And she accuses Joseph of doing something never even did. And it lands him in the dungeon. And that's not a fun place to be. But even in the dungeon, he has a job and his gifts and abilities because he's like a master administrator and organizer and planner and such. And so he starts getting jobs in prison. He doesn't want to be there. It's a horrible place to be and have a job. But he just to eventually all the prisoners entrust in him. He's like the leader. And then there's this event where Pharaoh needs some help and Pharaoh promotes him. And so Joseph goes from being sold by his brothers to this position in Potiphar's house to to the dungeon. And now he's second in command of all of Egypt. Nobody has any more clout and authority in all of Egypt uh, than Joseph except for Pharaoh. And he's got these gifts, and he interprets a dream, and he harvests the crops, and he's able, and you read the story, it's fascinating how that he's able to save his own people back in Israel. Remember, he was sold from Israel into Egypt, and because he has all these things, these crops that he has harvested, he's able to feed and save his own people and preserve Israel. It's a beautiful story. And Joseph, you think Joseph was down in the dungeon working, thinking, wow, you know, there's a big responsibility that's ahead of me. No, he never imagined that. But again, it just goes back to this reality. And maybe you can't even see it yet right now based on where you're at. But God often connects future opportunities to current opportunities and realities that we're involved in at the moment. So you may not have that dream job. And you may not be at the place where you really want to be. So the question really becomes, if you're not there yet, what are you going to do with the current opportunities that you do have? And I'm just going to show you this real quick, and and then we're going to wrap it up. What are you going to do with the current opportunities that you do have? I want you to look. This is Paul. This is in the New Testament. There's two verses, and I want you to see them here on the screen. Colossians 3, 23. Think about the current job that you have. And, And Paul says, whatever you do, Work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for men, since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It is the Lord Christ you are serving. I'm going to ask the guys to leave those two verses on the screen. And I'm going to just take just a moment. It will only take a moment. Then we're going to wrap up. And I want to walk you through this sort of phrase by phrase. Look at what Paul says. He says, hey, you may not be at the place where you want to be, and it may not be very fulfilling. It may not, you may not be making enough money, and it's not what you're going to do. It doesn't even fit your skill set, and maybe you wouldn't say you hated it, but you don't like it a whole lot, and so what do you do? And you know what Paul would say? Even in a case like that, he said, whatever you do. Again, it may not be what you want, may not pay enough, or it may be something that is just an under-challenge for you. You could do so much more than what you're doing, but you're not recognized for your capabilities yet and Paul would just say whatever you do look at the next phrase he'd say whatever you do work at it with all your heart work at it whatever you're doing even though it's not what maybe you want to be doing right now what you're doing work at it with all your heart literally it means this put your heart into it you know, it may not be your future, but thank God you've got a job because a lot of people would like to have a job and they don't have a job and may not be the ideal job, but the one you've got is a, is a job God would say that I'm providing for you. And you may not even see that the current thing that you're doing right now is actually connected to something I'm going to do in your life in the future. But you work at whatever you do with all your heart. You put your heart into it. You thank me. Uh, thank God for a job. Look at the next phrase. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. Again, maybe not the job you want, but it's the opportunity that God has given to you for now and work it as though God is your direct report. And you say, well, listen, I've got a supervisor. Yeah, I I get that. Well, I've got a boss. I've got a manager. I've got somebody, you know, my direct report. And that's all well and good. That's all well and good. But if you just would do your job, As though God were your direct report. Work at it. Look at it. Work for the Lord and not for men. And then look at the next phrase. Because you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's like God is saying, you know what? If you'll get it right here on earth, there's going to be some rewards that are going to be waiting for you in heaven. And you just work at it, you know, whatever you're doing, even if you're not crazy about it, even if you don't see where it's going to take you yet, you just work at it. You work at it with all your heart. You work as though you're working for the Lord, not for men. And then look at this last portion. Again, it just sort of echoes. It is the Lord Christ you're serving. It's like Paul is saying, hey, you're serving Jesus. You're serving, you know what? You were bought, you were bought by Jesus you belong to Jesus. You're accountable to Jesus. So work and act as though he is your boss. So I just challenge you to do that. We're almost out of time, but I want to just say to you, and whatever you're doing right now, just say, God, I don't, I don't know where it's going to take me. It may be that God has a plan for you that's going to be outside of the place that you're working right now, a current opportunity that's only going to prepare you. But here's a question I'd ask you to consider. Are you working toward your next opportunity or are you just waiting for it to fall in your lap? Are you waiting for your next or just saying, well, you know, are you preparing yourself? Maybe you say, "Well, you know what, Jeff? I've got some really, really good people skills. I've got some great people skills, and uh, but my leadership skills, my administrative skills, they're just not—they're—they're they're just not the great. Then you know what? Work on your administrative skills, your leadership skills. If you say, "Well, you know what? I'm great in administration, but I'm terrible with people. Guess what? You're going to be working with people or around people or coming in contact with people some way. Even you say, "Well, I work from home. You're probably going to have to talk or communicate with them. So maybe that's where you need to work. Maybe you'd say, maybe I need to prepare myself by doing an online class. Do I need to go back to school? Do I need to get involved? Maybe you need to say, well, hey, you know, uh, maybe I want to get involved in a ministry that I can grow and develop some gifts that I'm actually going to use in the marketplace. And this goes back to something that I said before. You be you. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to live somebody else's dream. Don't try to run somebody else's race. You be you. My boys are as different as night and day. And they get along with one another. They love each other. They're great, great friends. But Brent is so different from Drew, and Drew is so different from Brent. Even what they do vocationally is so different from one another, and it's totally different from what I do. I kept thinking, maybe God would give me one child that would want to be a pastor, and none of them wanted to be a pastor, none of them. And so Brent works in an office for State Farm at the headquarters in Bloomington, Illinois. And if I were to say to Brent, hey, Brent, why don't you get out of that office and uh, you know uh, step away from all those people and you get on that UPS truck that Drew drives every single day making deliveries, he'd say, dad, there's no way I'd wanna do that. I'd be absolutely miserable. And if I was to say to his brother, Drew, Drew, hey, listen, listen, I don't want you to keep driving that truck. Again, I don't have any authority over those kind of things anyhow. But Drew, I don't want you to drive that truck and make all those deliveries why don't you go and switch and you do what your brother's doing and you in an office brent you go on the truck and they just say no 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 is one right is one wrong no they're both right because they're finding their niche of what god wants them to do drew wants to be on a truck by himself working for ups and he does and brent wants to be in an office working with people and helping people and that's what he does So you've got to be who you, don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to be your dad or your mom or your brother or your sister. You just be you. And you just realize that what you're currently doing, do the best at at it you can. Throw your heart into it. Prepare yourself because you never know what God's going to do to teach you that's going to prepare you for the next step. I've learned something at every job I've ever had. Can I tell you, I've had some jobs that I've learned a lot of what I need to do. I'm like, I need to, I'm like, boy, like this mentor I had, I need to learn, I need to learn, I need to let him coach me. And But how many of you know sometimes you have jobs where you learn what never to do? <laughs> and I've had those too. Where like, don't ever do that. Don't ever that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. But you be who God wants you to be. Hey, listen, we're ending a little bit earlier for a reason. We did a song, a new song at the beginning. Band's going to come back right now, and we're not doing the whole song. We're going to do a portion of it. I don't want you to leave because soon as we sing this song together, I want to come back, and I'm going to give you about a 30-second preview of where we're going next week, and you're going to want to be here for that. So I want you to go ahead and stand with me, and I want us to do this. Listen, friends, your job where you may be right now may not be the job that you want or the job that you're going to have forever but how many of you know if God has blessed you in any uh, a job is better than no job and God has blessed you some way somehow and how many of you know that for most of us God has blessed us more than we deserve so here's what I want us to do we're not going to do the whole song but we're going to do one part of the song and then hang in here don't move I'm going to come back and close this out in prayer If of you believe what that song says, God's never going to give up on you. He never will. He never has. He never will give up on you. Hey, you're going to want to be here next week. I want to go ahead and tell you, this is a preview and let me help you. You're not going to like what I'm first going to tell you, but then you're going to like what I will tell you. Here's what you're not going to like. You want to know God's will on, for your life. I know you do for your family. I know you do. Here's what you're not going to like. God is not going to send you an email. I hate to tell you that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? There's been so many decisions that I've had to make. I'd be like, God, if you could just call me on my cell phone, send me an email, write it in the sky, it'd be so much easier. But God's not going to do that. Nevertheless, listen, God will speak to you. And you're saying, are you kidding me? I'm telling you, God still speaks today. He still speaks today. And I'm going to show you next week how God is still speaking to people today. It's not just people. I'm going to teach you how to listen to God. And God has to speak to you. And the more you understand God, where he's leading, the more you're going to understand God's will for your life. Hey, I'm so glad you were here today. I love you so much. I hope you have an awesome week. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this day. What a great God you are. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, see you next week. God bless you, everybody.